Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Sports Stove with host Vince Stover. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. Major League Baseball cheating scandal. We'll discuss that. The NFC and AFC championship games. We will preview those games and some thoughts on the Rooney Rule. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Sports Stove Podcast. Let's get right into it with Major League Baseball making news right around one of the most important weeks in the NFL schedule. And yet we're still talking baseball. Why? Because the Houston Astros are caught cheating. I don't know if you can call it caught or not. They were tattled on by pitcher Mike Fears. But nonetheless, uh, the hammer has been dropped. The GM and manager of the Astros fired after announced a suspension of one year. Alex Cora in Boston fired before a suspension can be handed down. And the New York Mets firing their manager as well, Carlos Beltran, all because of the same scandal going on. And I want to say that I think that a one-year suspension is a very fair punishment in this situation. I believe that when it comes down to sign-stealing, It is part of the game, but there's still a certain part of it that has to be protected. Uh, When it comes down to it, it is this. Cheat like the rest of us. If there's a a runner standing on second base stealing signs, that's part of the game. If you're using a camera and the replays and studying out film uh, and relaying it in with a trash can or with uh, something that's attached to the body that vibrates or whatever it is, that's over and above. And there has to be, you know, baseball has all these unwritten rules and and uh, they agreed to, uh, to kind of overlook some sign stealing. But at the end of the day, the technology that's being used, it, it, it is hurting the baseball purists, needless to say. I think one year is fair. I believe that they will get jobs again in the future. They'll all be on TV probably this year in some way, shape, or form, broadcasting games and, and uh, in the booths and things like that. But uh, at the end of the day with baseball, they're okay if you cheat as long as you cheat like everybody else. And when you start cheating in other ways, that's when it becomes a problem. And let's face it, the Astros won the World Series. Had they not done that, people may not care quite as much. You look at the numbers of the Houston Astros home games versus away games during this uh, time of these uh, the cheating, and you'll see Altuve's numbers are incredible at home and way down on the road. 
Uh, Springer's the same way. Uh, the catcher also uh, the same way. And uh, so it obviously had a, had a major effect on how the game was played and ultimately on the World Series. The baseball uh, uh, management had to come down hard in this situation. They did. One-year suspension's fair. Losing their jobs uh, is yet to be seen if that will be the right move or if the Red Sox, the Mets, and the Astros should have just waited out the suspensions and went on with life. But they've all decided to move on, and so we'll continue to keep an eye on what changes there. We are at an exciting time in the NFL season. We're down to one game uh, for each conference leading up to the Super Bowl winner. Uh, goes to the Super Bowl. Losers go home. Let's start off with the first game, Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. The Chiefs are a seven-point favorite going in, and, and after watching last week's game against the Texans, outscoring the Texans 51-6 uh, to six or to 7 uh, after the 24-point lead, uh, you see the, the Chiefs are the hot team right now. Everybody's saying, well, how in the world can Tennessee stop the Chiefs? Let's look at some numbers. First with the quarterbacks, Mahomes obviously is the reigning MVP. He played 14 games this season with a 66% completion percentage, 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Pretty good season for the MVP. Then you look at Ryan Tannehill, and the first thought is he hasn't even thrown for 100 yards yet in a playoff game. Yet if you look at his stats in 12 games, he threw 70% completion percentage, 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, Six interceptions in 12 games. He threw only four less touchdowns. Mahomes had two more games than him and still only threw four more touchdowns than him in the regular season. And interceptions are about the same. Uh, The Titans are better, at least in the numbers, than what I think we're giving them credit for. The run game is clearly the Titans' advantage. Damian Williams, who had the most, uh, the best season as far as Kansas City running backs go, and last week was the main runner for the Chiefs. He played 11 games, had just under 500 yards, and five touchdowns. Derrick Henry played 15 games. He had 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns. Now, Henry had five fumbles throughout the season as well, but Derrick Henry and the running game in Tennessee clearly better than Kansas City's run game. Then you look at the pass game. The first thought is, oh, the Chiefs are so much better. Travis Kelsey, the leading receiver, playing all 16 games, 1,200 yards receiving, Five touchdowns. As a, as a unit, Kansas City's total receiving numbers, 4,700 yards and 30 touchdowns. The Titans, their leading receiver this year is A.J. Brown. He played all 16 games, had 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. Very close to the numbers of Kelsey. Total as a team, they had 4,000 yards and 29 touchdowns. So 700 less yards, uh, but only one less touchdown on the season uh, for the receiving unit for the Titans. These numbers I wasn't expecting to see. I was expecting to see maybe half the numbers of Kansas City. But the Kansas City offense, as good as they were last week, they've been okay this season. The Titans have not been far behind them. Then you look on the defensive side of things. Kansas City has uh, allowed 370 yards per game. Tennessee, 376 yards per Per game, Kansas City has 47 sacks. Tennessee has 43. Kansas City has 16 interceptions. Tennessee has 14 interceptions. Tennessee has scored on average 25 points a game, and Kansas City has scored on average 28 points a game. It's very, very close statistically for these two teams. Tennessee is five and three on the road. Kansas City five and three at home. This game is going to be closer than what I would have originally thought. 
I still think Kansas City gets the win at home, although there are some of my friends who would say, oh, Andy Reid is going to fail. He cannot make it back to the Super Bowl. He will not win another game. I think the Kansas City offense is so dynamic, and as we saw last week, they're not out of a game. And so I think at the end of the day, Kansas City wins. But Tennessee uh, is better than I've given them credit for, at least on paper. The eye test is clearly Kansas City. But at the end of the day, Tennessee should be able to stay in this game and look a little better than last week. I see at the end of the day, Kansas City winning. I'll call the game 35-24, to Kansas City. So still a, a good-sized win. But nonetheless, I think it could be an entertaining game. Over to the NFC, San Francisco hosting the Green Bay Packers. We look at these numbers as well, and very similar. Uh, Also, Garoppolo, 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. So Rodgers doesn't turn the ball over quite as much as Garoppolo, but outside of that, their numbers are very similar. The running game, this seems to lean towards Green Bay. Uh, but there have been some games where San Francisco has ran over teams. Uh, Mozart, uh, 70, 700 yards, uh, almost 800 yards, eight touchdowns. Aaron Jones, leading rusher for Green Bay, uh, over 1,000 yards, 16 touchdowns. He's one of the top touchdown getters this year. Receiving, again, the top receivers are very close. Kittle, 85 catches, just over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, uh, Devontae Adams, 83 catches, just under 1,000 yards. Also five touchdowns. With this game comes down to defense. The Packers defense has had games where they've just looked amazing, but San Francisco has been consistent on defense. The Green Bay Packers have allowed 387 yards per game, almost 400 yards per game by the Green Bay defense. Now you look at the scoring and it's a little, uh, doesn't sound as bad, but San Francisco has allowed 193 yards per game, under 200 yards a game. That's a massive difference between the two. The Packers have scored on average 24 points a game. San Francisco scoring 30 points a game. The last time they met, San Francisco dominated the game 37-8. I do not think this game will be the same. The Packers are 6-2 on the road. Both of those road losses came in the state of California in Los Angeles and San Francisco. The 49ers are 6-2 at home. We see this game coming down to what appears to be San Francisco's game to lose. They have the home field advantage. They have the defense that has been more consistent. And they seem to have the right tools right now on offense to have a chance to win this game. Green Bay Packers have the one thing that the 49ers do not have, and that's an MVP. Aaron Rodgers has to be the difference maker. He has made some poor choices this year and has looked bad. or Not bad, but he has not looked like he has supposed to look uh, this season at all times. If the run game can get going, it will help Green Bay. At the end of the day, this one scares me as a Packer fan. I am going to say I think this one will be close. But I'm going to go with the points per game on this one. San Francisco 30, Green Bay 24. And I'll be happy if the Packers win, being a Packer fan. But at the end of the day, I think San Francisco at home uh, has the upper hand at least at this time. I want to close the pod today with... uh, a uh, topic that is getting a little bit of attention right now, and that is the Rooney Rule. We just had five coaching uh, jobs open, and all of them filled. One minority coach hired Ron Rivera in Washington, and there has been a lot of complaining over the sports talk radio and through social media that not enough uh, minority coaches are being hired. 
And I believe that when it comes down to this, there's the argument of, and really this year there was really only one other candidate that seems like at the moment is ready to step into that head coaching role, and that is Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. Now you've got past coaches like Marvin Lewis, uh, you have uh, Hugh Jackson as well, and you've got some other guys out there, uh, Caldwell that was in Detroit for a little while uh, as well. So you've got some guys with past experience that are out there. Uh, but I look at this, and the complaint is is that the, the teams, they're abiding by the Rooney Rule, but they're not using it the way that it was intended to be used. And they so they say they bring in candidates that they're never going to hire, and they just do this to fulfill the rule. And I look at it, and the way I see it is this. That's exactly what is going on. The, the rule is in place, uh, forcing teams to interview minority candidates uh, for their job openings. And so when you have a rule in place, people are going to abide by that rule, but they're going to do it to accomplish the rule as opposed to accomplishing the purpose of the rule. I think at this stage in America and at this stage in the NFL, the rule does not need to be in place. I believe more minority candidates would get legitimate interviews if the Rooney rule was not in place. Now you look at Dallas and they interviewed Mike McCarthy and Marvin Lewis, and from the and according to Jerry Jones, he knew all along he was going to hire Mark McCarthy. And so you look at that and you go, okay, well, what, what was the point of bringing in Marvin Lewis? It, it didn't accomplish any purpose whatsoever. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we have to, to get away from this um, demanding things and start doing better job at preparing people to take these jobs. You can look throughout all the up-and-coming assistants And that's where it has to start. It has to start at the high school level, the college level, uh, where there are, and it's going to continue to get, to get better as players are retiring and moving into coaching and, and things like that. But when it comes down to it, the Rooney Rule is not accomplishing its purpose. And I believe that you can do away with the Rooney Rule and actually open up more opportunity for minority coaches because then teams are only looking at candidates who they think have the potential to help them as opposed to saying, okay, uh, we've got to find somebody. So before they're even putting their list together, they're trying to find a minority candidate that they can bring in so they can accomplish the rule as opposed to just trying to find the right coaches uh, for their team. And I think that... There has to be progress in this. I'm not saying that racism does not exist. It obviously does. Uh, But I don't know that you're looking at 32 teams. Um, They're going to do what's best, what they think is best for their their team. And at some point in time, we have to realize forcing them to interview someone who's not ready is not going to help. But just opening the door and saying, go out and find the best coach for your team, I believe more opportunities will come that way. Thank you for listening to the Sports Stove Podcast today. Follow us on Twitter, at Sports Stove. You can find us on Facebook, the Sports Stove Podcast. Uh, Continue to to like and share the podcast. We'll get out on more platforms in the days ahead. Right now, you can find us on Podbean. Tell everyone you know all about it as well. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.